Welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. This is Chris from PleasureMechanics.com. And on today's episode, we are speaking with the fabulous Dawn Sarah about hunger, pleasure, and desire. Dawn is one of my favorite thinkers in the field about sexuality and bodies. And at the end of our conversation, she will invite you into a new course she is offering, a five-week exploration of your relationship to pleasure and power and desire and hunger in your body. It's a beautiful course. It is one I have gone through myself, and I highly recommend the experience if you are looking for an in-depth exploration of pleasure and your relationship to it, really these questions of desire and worthiness and what you allow for yourself is what this course will help you address in a safe, supportive community. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dawn Sarah about hunger and pleasure. I will link in the show notes page to my previous conversations with Dawn and the collaborations we have done in the past. And of course, I will link to her new course, which is enrolling now to start on July 21st. So if you are listening to this now, consider this invitation and enroll using the link in the show notes page. And if it is not the right moment for you, or if you hear this in the future, but are curious what Dawn is doing, that link will take you to her website and all of the events and offerings. She always has something going on. Here is my conversation with Dawn Sarah. Remember, you can find all of our podcast archives at pleasuremechanics.com. Cheers. Dawn Sarah, welcome back to Speaking of Sex. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. Mm-hmm. We will link to our previous conversations in the show notes, but for newcomers to the delightful Dawn, will you introduce yourself and a little bit about the work you do? Yeah, I am a sex and relationship coach. I'm about to finish my certification for being a body trust provider through Be Nourished. And I have a podcast called Sex Gets Real. I run the annual online free summit, Explore More. And my spheres are really around pleasure, bodies, connection, healing, and how all of that ties to the erotic and sex, and even just the ways that we move through our lives and our relationships. But I'm really diving deep lately into the connection between um, hunger and desire and the ways that we approach food and the ways we approach sex and how often those things are deeply linked. Uh, so it's been a really, really, really extraordinary space for me this past like year and a half to be able to go really deep into this. It feels really yummy. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly where I want to focus is this question of hunger, pleasure and hunger, hunger and desire. What does it mean to be hungry for something? Um, And you've been doing so much beautiful thinking about these intersections. So will you just take us gently into these waters? How do you think about the word hunger right now? Mm. I think that it can have so many different meanings, but often when we think about hunger, we tend to go straight towards food, um, which is practical of us. (laughs) <laughs> but, I also, <laughs> but I also really like thinking about hunger as 
the things that we feel we need in order to be nourished. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the things that I need in order to feel nourished, the things that I want that would give me a sense of satisfaction or that would give me a sense of aliveness, those things extend far beyond, but do include food. And I think about touch, I think about connection and community, I think about play, I think about um, people that I love and tapping into my senses. So when I really think about hunger from this place of the things that would nourish me and there's this kind of wanting, this craving or this need behind it, it's so much bigger than food, um, but definitely, definitely includes it. We're, and we tend to have a really complicated relationship with food because of diet culture. And so I think something else for me when I think about hunger is also that it's complicated for a lot of us, that, that hunger starts out fairly straightforward for us as tiny humans, but becomes very complicated for us as we grow into adulthood, especially in this particular iteration of culture. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a it's an important thing and a complicated thing. I'm noticing that you went to hunger for what we need to be nourished rather mm-hmm. than fed or in order to survive. Mm-hmm. You one upped this notion of just feeding our bodies as a functional thing and went to this idea of nourishment. Yeah. What does the word nourishment mean to you? Mm. That's a really great question. When I think about nourishment, I think about the I think about kind of a, a tiered experience, right? So like at its at its foundation, nourishment is is what keeps me alive. Um, it's the things that feed my cells, that keep me breathing, that keep my body safe. And I want to do more than survive. I want to thrive. I want to know joy. I want to know um, curiosity and play. And so for me, nourishment is what sets the stage for all of those things that bring me that deepest sense of aliveness. And so what nourishes my creativity, what nourishes my curiosity, what nourishes my play, Um, So when I think about nourishment, I think about not only the the mechanics of keeping this body going, but also all of those um, less tangible things that keep me connected to my life, invested in my life, able to do the things that I'd like to do in this body as it is right now. Uh, So it's very sensitive to what is rather than kind of the dream of what I wish was. Um, and I also think about nourishment as, as something that gets me to a place of satisfaction. You know, it's not just, as you said, functional. Um, I think that there is a cultural story that we should be treating our bodies as if they're machines, but we're human beings. We're not machines. We are so much more than just input output and what you see is what you get. Right. So when I think about nourishment, I also 
think about some of those things like um, spirituality. You know, how can I be spiritually nourished? How can I be ritually nourished? Um, and and I think th- some of the things that go into that are love and acceptance and um, witnessing and healing. And I think all of those for me are inside of nourishment. Mm-hmm. I'm curious in your journey, as you've expanded your understanding of pleasure and nourishment um, and embraced and kind of practiced it in your life, mm-hmm. has the importance of sex changed? Has it gotten deprioritized? Has it been complicated in some way? Like, is there a way we over-focus on sexuality sometimes as a placeholder for a bigger conversation we haven't had yet? Uh, (laughs) Totally makes sense. And 100% yes. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that's, that's another thing that I want to tread on very lightly and with a lot of nuance. You know, I think sex is so important for so many reasons. I think sex has the potential to be deeply nourishing, to expand our awareness of body and self, to deepen into pleasure that we didn't know was possible. I think sex can can help us do those things. And I also think that there are so many pathways to embodiment, pleasure, connection, nourishment, feeling love, feeling connected beyond sex. And I think that um, we often struggle to recognize those things because there's such a hierarchy of pleasure that we have in this culture. And we're taught that sex is the epitome of manhood, that sex is what makes you free. To be engaged in sex is to be someone who is sex positive, is to be someone who's evolved, is to be, you know, all of these labels that we've kind of piled on top of sex. And I think sex is just one piece of this massive, massive puzzle of all the ways that we can get so many of our needs met. And so as I've started doing this work, you know, it it hasn't shifted my love of having really delicious yummy sex but I think that it's really shown me that often we are using sex culturally speaking but there's also a very gendered element to it as well that is a stand-in for being able to say I feel lonely and I'd like to connect I'm feeling stressed out and I could use a way to relax. I'm feeling distant from you and I'd like to feel closer. Uh, I don't have enough play in my life. I wish I could be silly. And I think so many of us put so much pressure and importance on sex. And when we start doing this work to really examine what are all the things that we're hungry for? What are all of the things that could potentially bring us a sense of nourishment, and connection and being seen in these imperfect versions of ourselves that we are, we start to see all of these other opportunities for getting needs met and also for being able to connect with people who are at a variety of places in their lives and in our lives. So our options become so much greater when we can kind of 
you know, blow it out and, and stop focusing just on this one thing as a means to get so many of our other needs met. Brilliant, beautiful, bam. Love it. Bam. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious because you have been in this immersion around pleasure for many years. Um, In the past year, I've noticed you've been bringing a lot of work around mindfulness and embodiment practices into what you're sharing Mm -hmm. with your community. Can you speak a little bit about the practices of pleasure in your life and what space you've created for them and then what those practices have brought you? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing I want to start with is I am just like everyone else in that prioritizing pleasure is fraught (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it's hard and it's really easy to forget to do or to deprioritize in service of other things that feel more pressing. And so my practice is, (laughs) is woefully inconsistent sometimes. And part of the work is being okay with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want this to turn into another weapon with which I beat myself. And I think like so much of the work for me has been in, yes, planning for like big, delicious, luscious events that I can really just sink into for a longer period of time. But also, what are all of those micro points throughout the day and throughout the week where I can just really touch in for a couple of minutes, maybe a half an hour, and just really kind of feel into something yummy at the pace that fits that day. And I think so much of what I've found is that whether it's a five minute slow walk outside or standing out on my balcony and just letting the sun be on my face for a few minutes and the wind in my hair or savoring a really delicious bite of food, you know, even those small things are really important to just helping me to be present and helping me to kind of feel into this body that's sometimes really hard to be in. Uh, And that's also given me a way to be a little bit more resourced. You know, I've also really been thinking about the ways that I have deeply internalized the the stories and the messages of capitalism. And I'm trying to, to really start untangling that messy knot of, you know, my productivity does not determine my value, but it is hard to break up with that story. And by having these small pleasure practices, I'm finding that disrupts that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so that's also a really helpful way to start kind of shifting some of those stories. Some of my pleasure practices include um, smells that I really enjoy. I love the smell of lavender. And so I have some lavender bunches around my office. Sometimes I'll just take a few minutes to smell that and just really be in the smell and the scent of the pleasure of that for a few moments. Uh, I get so much pleasure from play. And so at least once a day, sometimes more, uh, I will cajole Alex into playing a game with me. And then we'll do something really fun and ridiculous. And sometimes the game lasts five or 10 minutes. Sometimes it lasts an hour but at least once a day, there needs to be some type of game playing. Uh, 
<clears throat> I also have taken a lot of pleasure. I realized recently that one of the things that brings me tremendous pleasure is experimenting in the kitchen. And I'm sure part of that is, you know, prior to being in sex education, I was a food blogger and I was teaching cooking classes and, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Hidden secret. Uh, so being in the kitchen for me is also deeply pleasurable. Like it's not even necessarily about eating the thing, although that is also really pleasurable, but spending multiple days making sourdough bread or, um, spending, you know, a couple of hours, like last night I made Mama Fuko's, um, cereal milk ice cream mm -hmm. and just doing those things of like being really present and watching things develop for me is a big pleasure practice. And for a while I had stopped doing that because I was just too busy or too tired. And I realized several months ago that even though it does exhaust me sometimes being in the kitchen for multiple hours, I feel really, um, happy and nourished at the end. Like it's a good kind of tired. And so I've been prioritizing that a lot more. Our kitchen right now looks like a great big experiment. because so I'm just trying so many different things and that feels fun. So, you know, for me, a big part of the pleasure practice is finding the micro moments and honoring them, like noticing them, noticing that I slowed down to take a picture of that flower I really liked and being a little bit mindful. And then also some of the bigger things. You know, can we take an afternoon to go lounge at the park and read books? Or can we go hang out with our friends and have a great big dinner party full of really rich discussion? You know, that for me is one of my greatest life's pleasures. Um, or, you know, we just got back from three weeks away. And while we did work while we were away a little bit, you know, I was only working at like 15% capacity because I was trying to really center pleasure. So when people hear this, they may feel a stirring of hunger, right? Like I think often in our podcasts, when we paint pictures of what is possible, I'm sometimes aware of this kind of dual thing of painting the picture of what's possible and also knowing that there's this kind of gap between feeling the hunger for these pleasures, feeling the hunger of three weeks of vacation. And then the steps of like creating that as your reality. Mm -hmm. um, what is your process between like recognizing hungers, um, kind of discernment between hungers that are kind of fantasies and hungers that are things that you might actually give yourself permission to reach for? And yeah. then like bumping up into those places of like, how dare you ask for that? How dare you ask for an afternoon off reading in that park? Um, the limitations of our, like the ways we're taught not to be hungry. Yeah. Mm. I think that's part of the work uh, is, and, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I mentioned nuance earlier around this is, our lives are all so different. The ways that we move through them are very different. Uh, and we experience different levels of access to resources and support and all of that is real and true. And so I want to be very careful to never prescribe to someone the way to do pleasure, the right. way to do hunger. You know, I can't possibly know what it's like to be a, uh, 
indigenous trans queer person who you know is poor i just i can never know that experience and so i think one of the parts of this work is really taking an honest look at our lives and taking a look at what are some of the things that maybe i can change maybe i can influence but they feel scary and what are some of the things that are it's just the way they are right now and I might not be able to change them, but maybe I can do something different within them. And I think those are important. You know, maybe I have to work three jobs right now to keep a roof over my head and not working three jobs isn't an option. Then that's true. So how inside of that can maybe I find small moments to be able to feel into some of the things that I'm hungry for? Right. I think inside of that too is some grief work. And that's one of the things that I have really found is important. And uh, uh, you know, when I, I talked to Afrosexology earlier this year and they were talking about how the, the deeper they went into their pleasure, the deeper they also went into pain. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's also a really important thing to just name that, you know, the more we open to any feeling, the more we open to all feelings. All of them. All of the feelings. <laughs> yeah. And so much of this work around pleasure is deep grief work. Yeah. Deep grief work. You know, what are all of the things that I never allowed myself because I didn't feel worthy? That's probably a lot. And there's probably a lot of grief and anger inside of that. You know, what are all the things that I told myself I would do one day when? because I didn't feel worthy of doing it then. And how many decades maybe passed? How many years? How many missed opportunities and missed connections? You know, there's grief in that. Or maybe because of choices that I made in the past, I ended up here. And, oh, I wish I could have chosen differently. You know, there's, there, that's grief work that we have to do around our, around our hungers. And I think some of where the work is too is really starting to kind of confront some of the things that we don't allow ourselves because we don't feel worthy of the wanting. And that I think is such an interesting place. Like we all are existing inside of capitalism and neoliberalism and white supremacy and sex negativity. I mean, all those things are true and there are still ways to connect to touch in with our lives and you know really really small ways even inside of those things if we want to or if we have the ability to and even when we start to realize well maybe I could ask for something different maybe this thing that hasn't been working for me for a really long time in my relationship is something I could ask for to change but then the fear comes up because we're afraid of being left, we're afraid of being alone and abandoned, we're afraid of being judged and shamed, especially if that's happened in the past. We're afraid of so many things that then we limit ourselves on top of the limitations that exist in the world. And so I think so much of the work around pleasure is recognizing the, the actual limitations and then realizing the ways we limit ourselves. And sometimes those limitations we place on ourselves are deeply protective. Sometimes we do have to go with the flow in order to keep that roof over our head, in order to not be kicked out of the group. And those things are all wise. Um, but at least being able to notice them and to speak truth to them then gives us an opportunity to decide if we if we want to stay, can we leave? Can we change something? And that's what I want for people is 
more choice and more opportunity to see where there are choices. So that, you know, brings in that element of awareness. And then I think, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past and I just love it. I've brought it into so many of the things that I've done, which is just, you know, our hungers are always going to be bigger than our lives can hold in so many ways. Our desires are going to be bigger than our lives can hold in so many ways. And so inside of that, then some of the work around pleasure is, is really kind of saying, what do I need to grieve? And how can I honor that this is true? You know, how can I honor that I really, really, really for my whole life have wanted to move to Iceland or I've really, really, really for my whole life wanted to write a book or whatever it is. And maybe because of the circumstances of my life right now, those things just can't happen or it's very unlikely that they will. And so how can I say, yes, those things are good and true and real and I'm deserving of them and they're just not possible right now. And so I'm allowed to feel sad about that and I'm allowed to feel disappointed. Um, but, you know, the life that I'm leading right now, there's other things that I want to be putting my time and energy to. And so I have to let those things just be things that don't get to get fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So there's so many moving pieces in this, yeah. you know, of the, the feeling into the grief and the anger, feeling into the fear, finding ways to celebrate what is working within the conditions of our lives and maybe working to change some of them, maybe not, you know, something that um, someone that I was working with a few months ago kind of realized was she was deeply unhappy with the sex that she was having in her marriage. She was feeling very pressured and dissatisfied and, And the story she had been telling herself was, if I can just fix my low libido, then everything else will be okay. And she kind of got to a place of realizing I'm not broken. There's nothing wrong with me. But what that then means is the problem is with the relationship. And that was too much for her. And she, that was just not something she was able to face at that point in her life. And so she decided okay, I'm just going to let this stay the way that it is and keep trying to work on myself a little bit more because it's too painful to think that maybe it's this relationship and the way that we're doing it. And that's okay too, right? Where we get to take care of ourselves and do the things that we feel are most important at that juncture of our lives. I don't have any judgment around that, but I think it's the awareness that I want people to come into of just like, oh, maybe it's not me but you know what? I can't change this right now. It's, I've got young kids. I can't pay the mortgage on my own. This is just how it's going to be. And that might be uncomfortable, but now at least I can feel into what are my options now that I've got this awareness. Right. And still making a choice, right? Still having the right. agency around it. Right. So what are some of the things you've learned about food and eating and the body that have influenced how you think about sex and some of the Mm. things you've learned about sex that influence how you talk about food. And what are some of the surprising overlaps? (laughs) You know, I think what's, I think what's kind of funny about it is uh, the more I reveal, the less surprised I am. You know, it was kind of like that very first time that I finally made the connection. I was like, holy crap, 
Like the way we do food is the way that we do bodies and the way that we do sex. I mean, they're all tied together and they're all so adjacent. You know, when we're restricting the things that we enjoy around food, we're often restricting the ways that we allow ourselves to access pleasure to be in our bodies. When we feel guilty about eating certain things, we often also feel guilty about fantasizing or wanting certain things. You know, I mean, there's just like so much. So the deeper I've gone into that, the less surprising and the more just kind of like, of course, it's become, uh, why didn't I see this before? It just makes so much sense. And so I think like, I think one of the things that's really hard for people, uh, and I think maybe like this is where not so much surprise has come in, but kind of where some of the like, ooh. Yeah, we 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 really got to chew on this for a while. <laughs> is often people are ready to really start confronting their relationship with diet culture and fat phobia and then they're totally not ready to do the sex stuff. And I find vice versa is often true. I find that there are so many people who will say, I really want to change the way that I do sex. I want to feel more confident in my body. I want to be more present. And then as soon as we start talking about, well, what's your relationship with food, with diets, with, you know, all the things that go with that, there's this like, whoa, now (laughs) we're, we're supposed to be talking about sex. Right. And there's kind of this resistance of, I just want to fix the sex part. Or I just want to like do food differently, not realizing that doing food differently (laughs) then means you're going to do everything differently Mm. in your life and how deeply, deeply, deeply intertwined they are. Because ultimately all of it, food, pleasure, sex, (laughs) relationship, all of it comes down to how much are we trusting our bodies? Can I really hear the things that my body is telling me? Is there a two-way dialogue happening? Can I communicate with my body? And can I hear what my body is telling me, asking for? How am I with my boundaries? You know, pretty much everything when it comes to food and movement and sex has to do with boundaries. Am I able to really say, here's what I want, here's what I don't want? Um, and to be able to tend to those boundaries, even if the people around me have really intense feelings about it. So what's, what's interesting is what's under the covers around food and around sex and the erotic is body trust and boundaries. And when we really start examining the ways that we interact with our body or we cut ourselves off from our body, And when we examine the ways that we do boundaries, especially with people that are really close to us in our lives, like our family and our partners, we start finding all kinds of rubble and, and juicy, uncomfortable bits to that start really revealing some of our patterns around the ways that we deny our hungers, twist our desires, distrust you know, the signals of our bodies, or we can't speak up on behalf of them. And so like underneath it all, it's all kind of standing on the same foundation. It's just then we've built on top of it kind of into these different silos and we don't realize they're all connected underneath. Yeah. Yeah. And that all of us are kind of standing 
together than in this culture that is breeding that distrust and teaching us that disconnection um, and that interrupting it is a real process. I think that's yeah. what surprises people again and again for in my email box is like how much work and process it is to to start trusting the body, to start living into the body, sensing in the feelings mm-hmm. um, because it is countercultural. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your upcoming offering? It's mm. starting soon. Talk to us about power and pleasure, please. Oh, yes. I am completely in love with this experience. So if anyone's listening and they're getting that little, ooh, maybe I should check that out. Totally check it out because it's awesome. Uh, So I have a five-week online course called Power and Pleasure. And the course is really about us realizing that our power and our access to power is deeply tied to our pleasure. And so much of the work that unfolds over the course is really about what are these very small ways that we can just arrive with the body, with our hungers, our desires, how can we feel into our senses, and just allow that to be a really gentle inroad to the body. And it's this exploration of not only sex, certainly food, but all of the other things that we're hungry for and our complicated relationships with our desire. And throughout the entire course, there's this beautiful support that happens where people are witnessing each other's really complicated stories, celebrating things that they do. We have group calls every week that are so intimate and so vulnerable where we can really, really be in the ugly, complicated, messy, uncertain spaces and to not have to be there alone and to find all of these ways, you know, by the end of the course to have lots of new questions to carry out into our lives so that as the months unfold beyond the course, we start noticing all of these opportunities for pleasure, for honoring our hunger, for listening to our body, because we've started, you know, writing our way into some new stories over the course of the course. Mm -hmm. So the course starts July 22nd. Do you yeah. have to be in by July 22nd? How you do, do you have to be in by, actually, I, uh, I close it on July 21st because we have a pre-course call on that Sunday. Um, and it's all about safety. And I think that's something else that's super important. Uh, and I'll, I will probably build it out in the years to come. But something that I think gets missed in almost all of the conversations that I see, specifically around sex and the erotic, is that safety has to come first. Safety has to come first. Our bodies literally can't code things that might be pleasurable as pleasurable if we feel unsafe. It's just not biologically possible. We're wired for survival. Pleasure is a nice to have once we're sure we're gonna survive. And so we start the course with a pre-module. People get it a few days ahead of time or if they you know, sign up on the very last day, which lots of people always do, then they get it that day and can work through it, you know, on their own time. But we start with safety. So July 21st is the cutoff. 
we have that pre-call where we talk about safety and then it all kicks off on July 22nd. The thing that I really want people to walk away with is this is not on us to do completely on our own. I don't want to create something that contributes to this sense of I have to figure it out and pull myself up by my bootstraps and fix all the things myself. That's not how we heal. I want us to feel like we're in this together and that your pleasure is tied to my pleasure, is tied to everyone who's listening's pleasure. So let's be in it together, a space to ask some new questions and practice some new things without having to feel like you're doing it alone, to be able to say really, really scary things that maybe you can't say other places, so that there's just a little bit more space on the other side to feel into, oh, okay, maybe I am deserving. Maybe I am worthy. Maybe I can try these things even if they feel scary. And then allow that to kind of be something you curiously follow beyond the course. Mm-hmm. Thank you for holding this space. So this is an invitation for July 2019. If you're listening to this down the road, hello, future selves. Um, use the links in the show notes page and you'll come to all of Dawn's beautiful work and offerings. There is always something going on at dawnsarah.com. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> the pleasure host for the most. We love you, Dawn. It's a pleasure to be in this field with you. Thank you for joining us once again on Speaking of Sex. Thank you so much for having me. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening. If you feel like this pleasure course is a good fit for you right now, I encourage you to use the link in the show notes page to explore Dawn's course offering. It's a super affordable course for the level of personal attention and group support you get on this five-week journey of exploring your relationship to pleasure and your body. Um, If this is a question that has been itching for you, I would definitely encourage you to check it out. And as I said, I will be in that course with you exploring together and learning with you. We will be back with you next week with another episode of Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. Meanwhile, find all of our archives and our online courses at pleasuremechanics.com. I'm Chris from pleasuremechanics.com, wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. Cheers. <laughs>